somebody's in trouble. All right. <laughs> Somebody took a piece of this pie. All right. That is, oh, wait, whoa. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, well, we'll come back to this pie here in a little bit, okay? <laughs> I, uh, I just cannot wait to find out who did that. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if Linda Klopp is here with us this morning, but um, Linda's husband, uh, Randy, passed away this last week, and, and uh, just to the family, um, Jake and Rachel, Mike, if, if you're here, I just want to say, I know they always sit over there, that's why I'm looking over there, but, um, you know, my, my heart's with you in, in my prayer, so... Um, before we, before we dig into Scripture today, I, I, I know I really need to say a little bit about what's been happening for Becky and myself and our daughter, Nikki. Uh, Lorinda, uh, my administrative assistant, sent uh, me an email this week. Becky and I were in Minneapolis for the, the second half of the week, and she suggested that it might be a good idea for me to, um, and I was going to say something to you as a church, you know, thanking you for your support, but she mentioned to me there may be some of you here today who've begun attending Brookside in the last several weeks and you may not even be aware of what's happened. So uh, I do need to say that. Um, Becky and I have two children. Our daughter Nikki lives in Seattle and our son Greg lived in Minneapolis. And um, Nikki's 33 and Greg's 35. And, and uh, that's a picture of Greg up there. And Greg and us and nobody had any idea that he had a defective heart. And um, so on September 3rd, Greg passed away, um, suddenly and unexpected by everybody. And so that's what we've been, we've been living with. Um, and just to give you a little bit of other perspective on this for us, uh, another picture is, of Greg is as with his grandfather. Orb. And um, what's happened with Becky and I is, and with Nikki, is that five weeks before Greg died, and some of you have heard me talk about Tammy. Uh, Tammy is my, my sister, my one sister's oldest daughter. And I was nine years old when Tammy was born. And so Tammy and I basically grew up as, as like, almost like brother and sister, and very, very close to her. Uh, Greg is a lawyer, and he went to Minnesota Law School, and Tammy went to Harvard. And, um, and she was a very successful lawyer uh, in Minneapolis. She was a managing partner of a law firm. And we have a picture, actually, of Greg as a third-grade boy with a Harvard sweatshirt on that Tammy had given, Mike once when, or given Greg once when her and Mike came by our place, and she's always been his hero. And... When Greg went off to Minneapolis to law school, Tammy, who lives in Minneapolis, uh, took Greg under her wings, and they became very dear friends. And uh, five weeks before Greg died, Tammy died from cancer. And it, it, it really broke Greg's heart, like ours. In fact, we were with Greg the last week of Tammy's life with her and Mike, and we saw Greg caring for 
uh, Mike and Tammy and, and, and their two kids. And uh, with no idea when we buried Tammy at Lakewood Cemetery that five weeks later we'd be burying our son in the same place. Well, of all things, and this is where you have to trust God, two weeks after Greg died, Becky's dad, Orb, died from a massive stroke. And we were with him just the week before he died for his 88th birthday. And one of the jokes in the family, because this guy was so healthy, is that he actually quit farming last year. And all summer long, he's been saying, I quit too early. Um, that's the kind of guy he was. That's how healthy he was. And, and then he had this stroke, and, and, he, and he died. So that's been our, that's our new reality. That's our life for us right now. And not only Becky and myself, but our daughter, Nikki. The three of us are, are so grateful that Greg understood what we've been talking about in the book of Ephesians. And he has faith in Jesus Christ, and we're also so thankful, and we learned that much more when we were in Minneapolis at his funeral service, that he lived his faith. He, he really did walk it. And um, we knew that he was, but we never understood how much he was until we, honestly, until we sat in the funeral service and heard what people said about him. And the men and women we met in the business community. Um, so, I want to thank all of you for your love for us. Man, I... You know, Becky and I have been grateful to God for the privilege of being part of Brookside these many years, but I want to tell you that after this, these last several weeks, our gratitude to God for all of you has just skyrocketed. Um, so thankful for our staff. They, you know, it's a pretty amazing experience to be able to be gone for this period of time and know that everything was fine and everything was moving along. In fact, I got a little worried, you know, like maybe I'm not needed anymore. <laughs> Especially when I heard how great the preaching was, you know. And um, so thankful for Jeff and Tim preaching. Um, all of our staff. We're a fortunate church to have them. I'm grateful for our elder board. What great leaders, how much they've loved us and cared for us through this period. Um, so... Anyway, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dig into, uh, into Scripture this morning. And I've got to tell you what I've said a number of times through the years, and I've said it in Ephesians. Every time I dig into a book of Scripture, I, I find myself in an absolute uh, awe of God and how the Spirit of God guided the writer. I mean, and it, and it happened again with Ephesians. I can always count on it happening. You know, I gave the title masterpiece to this series, and you know, think about, talk about masterpiece. This, this whole book is a masterpiece. The book of Ephesians is a masterpiece. And if, if you and I were to, if you and I were to tell Paul, man, you know what you just wrote in Ephesians? That is a masterpiece, Paul would say. You know, I, I don't take any of the credit. All the credit goes to God. All the credit goes to the, to the Holy Spirit. And it's true. I mean, each word and, and phrase and sentence carefully chosen to communicate exactly what God wants us to understand. And, 
and, and, and with us the sequence of thought, of, of truth. It's so important for us to know. Truth building on truth, giving us this incredible picture of who we are in Jesus Christ, showing us that we're, we're a masterpiece. We really are. And it's all because of God's amazing grace. And we've seen this all the way through this series. Now, we've got two sermons left. Today's sermon that I'm going to do is going to actually take us back to the sermon I was going to do uh, the weekend that Greg died. And uh, that's Ephesians chapter 4. And then next Sunday, we're going to finish with one more sermon, and Jeff's going to do that. And it's from a set of verses in the sixth chapter. And, and honestly, everybody, you, you really do not want to miss next Sunday because it kind of you know, puts it all together and puts all of life in perspective, right? So if you got your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, we'll have a scripture up. Let's, let's see what Paul wrote in the first 16 verses. And we're going to begin with, with the first verse that I looked at way back in August where Paul said this, he said, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, Paul's saying to all of us, in, in light of all the truth in the first three chapters of Ephesians, in light of God's amazing grace for each one of us, he's, he, he tells us in that statement that you and I are to live a life worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ who made all of that possible. And I, I don't know if you remember me saying way back on August 28th, the, the, the word worthy that Paul uses here is a great choice of words. It's a Greek word from which we get our English word axiom. It's a word that means to balance out. And that's why, you know, way back in August, in, at last Sunday in August, I had this scale up here. And, 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 I, and, I, and I, I talked about how, you know, you're, you're in the first three chapters of Ephesians, and it's, it's this side of the scale, and it's talking about all of God's grace for each one of us, what God's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And if tell you what, if you were not here during those, those chapters when we looked at that, you know, I, I, I would really encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. You know, you know one, of my, one of my things that I'm going to cherish forever that, that I'm going to miss forever, I'm, well, during my lifetime here. It's one of the things that Greg used to do Sunday evenings after I went to bed. He, he would uh, listen to the sermon that I preached in the morning. And then the thing I always counted on is that every Monday morning, I, the first thing I did, in fact, you know, being 60 years old and up at least once during the night, if I couldn't wait till Monday morning, I would run downstairs and do it. I would check my phone for a text from Greg, he would always send me a text and make some comments about the sermon. <laughs> and, it, and I'm so thankful to be able to have shared those first three chapters of sermons with my son. Because if I think of any set of chapters I'd want to, I would want to have shared with Greg, it would be those three chapters in, in Ephesians because of how much they talk about God's grace in each one of our lives. I remember one of the sermons Greg sent a text, and he said, Dad, I think that was one of your best. But just remember, Dad, it's all, God gets all the glory. And always would say, it's all for the glory of God, he'd say. You know, yeah. But then Paul, he gets into chapter 4 and, and, and chapter 5 and chapter 6, what Jeff and Tim have been talking about. And, 
and, and, and what he's saying to us is he gets into that chapter. He starts right from the very beginning. He said, you and I, you and I are to live a life that balances out the grace of God. A life that is worthy of what Christ did for us. And that's, that's why we've got this scale. It's just like this balance between the two. Living out the grace of God in our life. Being like Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, here's one of the things that impresses me with the way this book is written. We come to the fourth chapter and Paul's about to show us how we're to live as copies of the masterpiece, the masterpiece himself. So that you and I are, are living up to who we are in Christ, each one of us becoming masterpieces. But, but before he does this, before he tells us how we're to live our lives, he shows us how we can do it. He shows us how it's possible. He, he, he shows us God's strategy. That you and I are to serve one another to make this happen in each one of our lives. You know, so that you and I can grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. He shows how you can help me and every other person here today to become like Christ and how all of us can do the same thing for you. We can all help each other become masterpieces. And he does this at exactly the right point. It's like he's turning the corner. And so he shows us how. And so way back on August 28th, we saw the first part of this strategy, and Paul gives it to us in verse 2. Just look at what he said. He said, he writes, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's how we relate to each other. Yeah. It's us serving each other by being humble and gentle and patient. Humble in our, in our willingness to put others before ourselves where, where we only, you know, where we truly care about what happens in the spiritual life of every person who's a part of this church body. Gentle by our kindness in the face of each other's weaknesses, by how accepting we are of each other when we blow it. Patient and not giving up on someone when they don't get it. And staying with the other person as long as they're willing to keep trying. It's just awesome. Just in one verse he talks about that. So if I, I would say if you missed that sermon that I did on August 28th, boy, you know, go back and listen to it because it's, it's important to hear. It's as we step into verse 7 that Paul begins the second part of, of God's strategy for our spiritual growth. And it's, and, and it's this, and I, I'm, I'm having it put up on the screen so we don't miss it. It's, it's for each, each of us to serve with the spiritual gifts and everything else God graciously gives us. That's what we're going to unpack this morning. And I, I think there's three things that Paul shows us about this strategy, and and, and we're going to look at each one of these. And, and the first one is that there's a uniqueness to all of us. And so he begins verse 7 with, with this word. He said, but. But. And the reason he, he uses that word is that in, in the verses just before that, he's been talking about our unity in Christ, that we're one in Christ. And now he begins to talk about our diversity, that, that each one of us, in, in God's strategy, each one of us have this certain uniqueness 
about ourselves, how God created us, how God made us. So again, look at this statement in verse 7. I just think it's amazing. He, he said, but to each one of us, grace, notice that each one of us, every single one of us here today, no exceptions. To each one of us, grace, all that we've been talking about, has been given as Christ, and here's the word, apportioned it, apportioned it. Now, you've heard me, boy, I don't, I'm going to find that person. You, 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 who did that? Okay, you, you've heard me talk about, through the years, you've heard me talk about my love for Becky's homemade lemon pie, okay? You've been here long enough? I mean, that's like, I almost worship this, but I got to remember, God is God. <laughs> okay, but this is, this is the real deal, okay? This is not lemon pie from a box. This is not a lemon filling that you buy in one of those little cardboard boxes. This is, this is from the real lemons, all right? This is the kind of lemon pie where you scrape off the, the, the you know, what's the outside of a, a peeling? No, what's the, Say again? Okay, I got you. All right, so you... You know, I mean, I can still see Becky scraping that off and, 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 and making the lemon. In fact, I would, I would always want to scrape out the pan, you know, before she put it in the, in, you know, in there. And, and, and then she'd make this meringue. I mean, this thing is just, and, and, and can anybody tell me what's really a good deal for me about this lemon pie? Anybody have any idea what really makes it a good deal? Huh? My wife made it. Absolutely. And I mean, man, she, she, and it, so there's a lot of love in there, in that lemon pie, okay? And she, she makes it at times to celebrate it. She makes it at times when she knows I'm discouraged. I mean, she, she'll just do it, you know, for just because she loves me. She did it for me. She made this one last night because I needed it, okay? <laughs> All right? And boy, I'm going to find out who ate that, took that. But anyway, so, so, now, now, okay. But you know what? You didn't quite get it. There's another reason it's such a good deal. They caught, somebody guessed it for service. Huh? Well, it's free. That's right. But it's all mine. You know why? Because Becky's not much into lemon pie. She doesn't really like it, so I get to eat the whole thing. And you know, I, I have this little game with myself. I, I try to see how many days I can stretch it out. Okay? And it's hard, especially when I go home for lunch at noon. It's like, ooh, I don't want to wait till dinner tonight, you know? So, and it's, it's like, and, and, and I, I think my max is about, uh, about five days. That was a lot of self-control. But anyway, so, so now let's just imagine. Let's imagine that one of you came t- to our house. Becky had just made this lemon pie. It was sitting on the kitchen counter, all right? And I forgot to put it in the fridge before I answered the door. And you come walking around the corner and you come into the kitchen and you go, lemon pie. I just love lemon pie. My mother used to make lemon pie. It is my favorite pie. I have not had a piece of lemon pie since I was a kid. What do you think I'd do? I'd ignore you and put it in the fridge, all right? Huh. 
No, what? No. I, I, I would. I will find out who he, but, but I, 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 I would give you a piece. Little piece. Okay, like a wedge. No, I, I, I hope I would be better now. But here's, you know what, everybody? Here's my point. God's got something for all of us that it is a million, zillion times greater than this lemon pie. And it's everything that comes from his grace. And Jesus Christ does not have a, a selfish bone in him. He's generous to the core. And what we're told in these 16 verses is that he gives to every single one of us a portion of his grace. Grace that includes but is not limited to spiritual gifts. And so that's, that's what I'd like to talk through with you this morning, what Jesus Christ gives us in his grace. And the first one is spiritual gifts. In fact, if you want to make this easy to remember, I, I, I stole this little idea from Rick Warren. I don't know if you've heard of Rick Warren. He's the guy who wrote that book that every pastor in the world wishes he would have written. Uh, but but it's, it's, it, and he did this thing with the word shape. So S stands for spiritual gifts. Now, here's the definition of spiritual gifts. There are differing abilities given by the Holy Spirit to each believer to be used for spiritual purposes to meet needs. I don't know if you know it or not, but there are five different lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible. And we're not, we don't have, obviously don't have the time to go through all those lists, but here, here's the thing to know, that there are, there are different gifts included in each list. And I think it's pretty clear that these lists are not exhaustive. Instead, they're illustrative of a larger list of gifts. The second thing is you can read through those, those lists of gifts and you can see that there are, there are clusters of gifts. Some gifts are the ability to communicate truth. Others are the ability to bear burdens. Some gifts are gifts that give direction, for example, the gift of leadership. And the other thing that strikes me is that with all of these gifts, there is no human need, whether spiritual or physical or psychological or re relational, that does not have some spiritual gift that can address it, that can meet that need. For example, some spiritual gifts heal us when we're wounded or encourage us when we're downcast. I don't know if you know it, but... In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, there's, there's, a spirit, there's, a, there's one of the lists of gifts. There's a gift that's called the gift of helps or the ability to help others. And I've, I've read that for years. you read that for years. And, and, I, and I understood it. But I got to tell you, I understand it a whole lot better now. You know, to have a few people come to our house that within a half hour of of us finding out that Greg died. You know, two of those people being one of the couples in our life group and the other one being Jeff Dart. And Jeff just literally following me around the house where I was just crying so hard I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even hardly see where I was going. And Jeff just stayed right next to me, just stayed right next to me. And, 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 and Becky had the same. She had, you know, Two women with her, I mean, that's a gift of help. You know, or to have John and Peggy Houston say to us, you know what, we're going to fly with you to Minneapolis and we're going to be with you these days. We're going to take care of you. And, 
and, and, and, and I remember we're driving to the airport, and, 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 and I, I lean forward, and I say, you know, I, I, don't, I think we'll be okay. I don't think you need to do this. I mean, it's so expensive, and it's taking your time. And Peggy, in her wisdom, she didn't argue with me. She said, uh-huh, Steve. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Steve. You know, and, and, and you know what? I could not have driven a car if my life depended on it. I didn't know where I was going half the time. You were there. Or, you know, Greg had two wonderful sets of friends. He had these guys he grew up with as a kid. And, I mean, they went to our church. And these, these guys played together as little kids in grade school. And they, they, they went through high school together. And they went to college together. And two of those guys, well, his second great group of friends were from law school. Well, two of those guys from his high school days were at, his, at the reception after the funeral service, and they say to me, see, we just want you to know you're never going to mow your grass again. Wow. I mean, you don't understand. You can't possibly understand what that means at that moment unless you've experienced it. It's like, wow. You know, or his law school friends completely took care of the the reception after the service. So the Beck and I didn't have to think of anything. We just simply walked into the place where it was, downtown Minneapolis. And that, that's a gift of help, you know? You can just go on and on with different gifts. And every gift is a gift of God's grace. And then, then the other thing God does for us in his grace is he, he does this thing in our hearts. And it's different for each one of us, and it's similar for some of us, but, but God gives us certain things that are just deep in our heart, those, those core passions that we have, the things that, that just fire us up. We're, we're just, man, that is just so important to us, you know? And God puts these differently in all of us because God wants all of us to do different things so that everything that needs to get done gets done. That's God's grace. And then there's our, our abilities. Those are the, the natural abilities we're, we're born with. We, we have them when we come out of the womb, you know. They're just part and parcel of who we are. It's, just, it's part of the wood. It's part of our fabric. And I think, I'll bet you anything, if, if you took a piece of paper and you just gave it some thought, you would be able to write out, you know, these are my abilities. These are the things that I, it just comes natural. And you'd probably also be able to write out the things that don't come natural. Like one of mine at the very top would be, I don't sing well. Okay? I sing. Man, I sing. But I don't sing like to be up here singing. Okay? Kind of singing. You know, I mean, aren't you just, I just get, I, I get fascinated watching somebody who can work on car engines and understands all that kind of stuff, you know, and. And, and it just comes natural. And, or somebody that just understands how a computer works. Man, I love that. Especially, I really love that. You know? Because I don't. You know, just, just, just being able to figure that, that, that comes natural. It's just like it's, you got it or you don't got it. Kind of, kind of a deal. And then there's our personality. 
I, I love how God in his grace has given each one of us a unique temperament, our, our own way of dealing with ideas and events and people. And, and you know what? We need every single one of us with our own personality, don't we? I mean, it's just, that's the beauty of life is how we can complement each other. I mean, imagine how boring it would be if we were all the same, we had the same personality, you know? But we don't. You know, I hope I don't do this too often. But, you know, you just find yourself, I just want to talk about Greg all the time. I just keep bringing him into the conversation, you know. So stop me if I do it too much. But, boy, you know, I'm you know, like Becky's Becky and Steve's Steve. And I've got my personality and Becky's got hers. And Greg was a lot like Becky. Thank God. <laughs> but he was just so even, so steady, so... You know, I'm very emotional. I have really high highs, and I can go low, and I get really upset, you know. And Greg was just always, always just so even. And I remember, I remember when he was back from college one, one weekend, and he had his, his, we had gotten him this old, old, like a SUV kind of thing. I mean, you know, like you drive off the road kind of thing. And it was parked outside on the street, you know, outside our house. And I went out to get the paper early Saturday morning, and I could not believe it. There was glass all over behind it and where somebody had tried to break into that vehicle of his. And they had actually must have used a crowbar or something because there was dented metal. And, man, I was just ballistic. I was so ticked off. And I remember just running upstairs to Greg's bedroom and, and waking him up and saying, Greg, you're not going to believe what happened to your car. And, and Greg wakes up and he said, okay, okay Dad, you know, honestly. And so we I took him down, and, and I'm just going, oh, okay, everybody. And, and Greg's just going, look, yeah, boy, they really did a lot of damage, didn't they? And he's just, isn't that funny how we're different from each other? You know? I'm glad that Greg had his sister, Nikki, who was more like me. Okay. You know? And I mean, we just we each got our own strengths and our own weaknesses, our own personalities. And God uses them. And then we got our experiences, and, 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 and they're all because of God's grace. There's our, there's our family we grew up in, what we learned from them. There's our education, what we're equipped to do. There's our, our, our vocation, our jobs. I mean, you know what? That, I mean, lots of times... The way you work at work, the job that you have can just transfer right over into the way you do ministry in a church, you know. Um, that happens all the time. And, and then there's the, the experiences we've had serving God in the past in different places. And we found, man, that just fits me. That's God's grace. And then there are those painful experiences. The hard times you've gone through in life. And I, I've said this for years, but now I really understand it. It's often our painful experiences that God uses the most through our life. I mentioned this first service. Um, it's a family that have gone to our church forever, and they have several children, and they've gone through some really difficult times. And I just read an article recently written by one of, the doctor, one of, one of their daughters in one of the leading magazines in our country, a Christian magazine by the name of the name of the magazine is Leadership, 
And she wrote one of the best articles I have ever read on how to care for people who are hurting. And that came from hurting herself. Yeah. So that's the first thing we learn. And then the second thing we learn, I've got to go fast here, that there, it's this, that there, there are gifts given to the church to prepare everybody for ministry. And so look, look, look at this statement in verse 11 and verse, verse 12. <clears throat> Was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Yesterday, Becky and I were driving back from Minneapolis on Interstate uh, 35, and oh, it was so much fun seeing all the Nebraska cars going north to the game. Yeah? Red flags. And, you know, you go to a football game, and there are at least three groups of people involved the players, the fans, and the coaches. The coaches show the players how to play, and they do the coaching during the game. The players play the game, and the fans, the fans sit in the, in the stands, and they enjoy the game. They watch the game, right? And so you've got a few coaches coaching, and a few more players playing, and a lot of fans in the stands watching the game. Man, that's, the only way, that, that's a great way to do football, right? Not so great for the church. Not God's way for us to achieve what God wants us to achieve. And so what, what Paul does here, he shows us God's strategy and, and you know, God's game plan, really. And it's, it's, it's Jesus Christ giving the, you know, the set of individuals to the church and their, their apostles and prophets and their, um, their evangelists and their pastors and teachers and and and. and we all have a responsibility. You see, I, from the time I was, when I was, a, when, when I was a sixth grade kid, and some of you have heard me say this, I was going to be an architect, and it wasn't until my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college that God began to do this kind of thing on me. And God said, no, Steve, you're not going to be an architect. You're going to be a pastor, and here's why you're going to be a pastor, Steve. This is what you're going to do. You are going to prepare God's people for works of service. It's my job. It's like I'm a coach in that sense. Okay? And, and, you know, God's whole priority then in, in this whole thing is that, is that, that I prepare you, every one, of, every one of our staff at our church, we're not to be the players out doing all the playing ourselves. We're to, we're to prepare you. We're to equip you to do ministry. You see, none of us are called by God to come here Sunday after Sunday and sit on a chair for one hour and to do this year after year and never do the work of serving, never do the work of ministry. You know, you know what, everybody? I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have over 1,700 adults attending Brookside over 300 high school and middle school students, and over 500 children. God's strategy for all 2,500 plus of us is to serve. I'm convinced that one of the best things you can teach your children is how to serve. 
and start as early as you possibly can to understand life is about being a servant. Life is about serving others. It's not about us getting served. My job and the job of every pastor on this staff, men and women, is to prepare you, to equip you to serve with how God has made you. Now, put this all together in one church body with all that God has given us by his grace. And here's why we're to serve. Paul tells us we're to serve to build up one another towards spiritual maturity. And I love how he said this. Look at this, verse 12. He said, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And, and the unity that in the faith that he's talking about is that we believe the same truth, God's word, and we're united in practice. We're one in purpose. He said, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And what we're talking about there is not, not having simply more information about God, but but growing deeper in our relationship, our intimacy with God, knowing God this way. And then he said, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming a copy of the masterpiece, all of us. Which then means you read in verse 14, he goes on, he said, "Then, then we'll no longer be infants, We're no longer going to be spiritually immature, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. I I just read in the paper again, this last week, that guy out in California is still doing it, I guess. I thought he died. You know where he said the world's going to end? I guess the world is supposed to end Friday again, you know? But, but, you know, here's what's so sad about this. Because there are people who, who have such spiritual immaturity in their life, they don't understand the truth of God's word. They're just tossed all around by that kind of garbage. You know? And it just pulls them down spiritually. They get all confused. And then we read this. And I love this in verse 15. He said, Instead, speaking the truth in love. You know what? In, 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 in our Greek Bible, the, the, the phrase speaking the truth, you don't, even, you don't find it in the Greek speaking at all. What you find literally in the Greek is truthing in love. Truthing in love. You know what that means? It means we're walking the talk. It means we're not just talking about being followers of Jesus Christ, but we're living out in our life what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's just beautiful. And then he finishes with this. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And then what does he say at the end? Read it with me. As each part does its work. That's you and me. Let's stand and, and pray, and, and uh, I know I'm late.